0: Huge rewrites galore for a chaotic Monday Night Raw. Uh, hello and welcome to LOP Radio on uh, YouTube on Spreak, not on anymore, on uh, Red Circle, wherever you can find us on the Laws of Pain slash Wrestling Headlines website. Uh, this is the LOP Radio Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also available in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net to get all of your Wrestling Headlines news and... Uh, all of these, like Raw reviews, NXT reviews, whatever. I'm just gonna quickly check the sound's working. Sounds working, cool. Remember to mute yourself so I can actually bloody think. Right, so, today's topic, normally I'll start with like the main event or one of the big moments from the show and I'll cover that and go into it. But today, there's a lot of stuff to talk about around the show itself. So like for the first time, pretty difficult for me to choose an image, (laughs) to think about like what do you even put into Photoshop when I'm not specifically talking about something on the show. But, it was a... The news came out about a chaotic week for WWE. Uh, especially, it was created night, especially. As they were taping both uh, Raw, Smackdown, and next week's Monday Night Raw, all in one block. Which was after an Extreme Rules, which didn't really go down that well. Extreme Rules was mixed reviews. I think, it's, I think, yeah, I think mixed reviews is a, a good way to word it. It was a... There was good in there, as I was saying on uh, Laws of Pain video Aftershock, where I went live immediately after the show at four. Uh, what was it like three AM? But there was a lot of good in there, and I generally did enjoy a lot of it. But there was a lot of uh, as well, like uh, such a Banks Asker in the preview on a, like a preview that went out on Saturday. I was saying that. Yeah, for me, this is a match which could not possibly go wrong. They can't possibly make this bad. And the match itself was amazing. The ending, horrific. It <laughs> took all of my <laughs> kind of enjoyment from the match out of it. And there's a lot of that. Where even if the match was good, the endings just kind of took you out of it. So it was a bit of an air, and it felt like a very set-up pay-per-view. So in terms of like huge momentum, that's not going to be great either. So yeah, oh. I will warn you. I have I've not. I I've recently washed my hair. <laughs> this is going to be pointless for podcast listeners, but recently washed my hair, not put any products in it, so it's very fluffy. <laughs> Coming down quite a lot. So you're gonna, if you're watching the video, just watch me adjust it quite a lot, or at least you'll hear me giggling about it once I see myself in the preview window. <laughs> but anyway, so with so with that in mind, with not the hair thing, the extreme rules thing, <laughs> going into Monday Night Raw, uh, they were like, well, how are they going to follow up on a pay per view? Which really didn't go down that well, and the answer was rewrites. So whatever the show was planned to do, uh, I remember I saw a tweet going out where it was like 7pm my time, so that was like 2pm, and there was reports coming out saying they've not even started yet. Like there's, whatever's happening, (laughs) they've not started recording, and time is a-ticking. And apparently they got it finished, I think the number I heard was two hours before the show went live. Or they were completely rewriting it four hours ahead still. One of those two, <laughs> maybe those, maybe both of those numbers are true. Uh, maybe I'm getting it a bit mucked up, but either way, like that, it, we've heard we've heard reports like that for over the course of these past like couple of years, especially we've heard similar reports coming out more and more often. Where get ready, there's lots of rewrites happening, like for not just for a couple of segments, but the entire show being rewritten, and, and it's now a countdown because there's only a certain amount of hours left before we go live, and. Quite often, when that happens, sometimes you'll get good stuff on the show, but more often than not, you'll see things, like little details will be missed. So you might might have a good show, but if it's one of those which, it's one of those where, in terms of focusing on the week prior type of stuff, some of those things will fall through the cracks. Or like, the the if they're telling any longer term stories, something might clash with it that doesn't make sense purely because they rewrote the entire thing meaning that not everything had enough time to be looked over or combed through just to make sure it all fit in terms of like continuity and things. So when you hear reports like that you kind of get ready for maybe a chaotic show. And that was of course ahead of taping a Smackdown and next week's Raw all in one book as well and they were late starting this one and it was like a race to get it done. And obviously got it, they got it done. I thought it was a fun show. I I relatively, I'll call it fun if not remarkable, which for TV is fine. Like obviously you judge pay-per-views differently, but for a TV show, for me to hit a, I don't know, three out of five, I guess you put the number on it. I'm to think, what would be average? Because average, but you enjoyed it. So I guess three out of five. For TV, for me, that's fine. You don't have to knock it out of the park every single week. But again, <laughs> you get that feeling of it's very chaotic and quite often, sometimes segments will feel like they're playing out a bit long. Because you needed something to kill time, and when I go through the rundown for the show, you'll—I like, do flat out say at certain points, <laughs> just that yeah, this is this felt like killing time type of thing. Like I was writing up my notes, not remembering a single word. <laughs> somebody was saying it's like, mate, I'm just glossing over everything you're saying, <laughs> which happens sometimes. It was just some some things just went on a little bit, but the bigger story, because of course there was the whole backstage thing, but the show itself. More like Raw, the ratings have been in the toilet, so it's a kind of a shift in philosophy as well. So I don't know if the tapings were delayed because of... There's multiple of reasons. I've seen the, the fact that maybe Ric Flair was originally meant to be on the show, but then with the whole COVID situation which blew up during the day, they had to rewrite everything he was meant to be in. Or perhaps there was the like a sh- entire shift in focus. Because coming out of Extreme Rules with the negative press and... The plummeting ratings to record lows, which were, last week's Monday Night Raw was an all-time low with 1.5 something—is it 1.5 million? Not dead. It was like somewhere up, but to be hitting a record low and then your the payview does not get a good reception. Yeah. So, so there's word of a heavier focus on delivering top matches on the TV product itself. So maybe that shift in philosophy was partly why the shows were rewritten to fit that philosophy a lot more and to kind of drive home the kind of pushing of weekly television a lot more than using weekly television to push a pay-per-view. Which, personally, for seeing what's happening, yeah, that's perfectly fine. Uh, I've got no issue with that. Like, if a show purposefully tries to give me better content, why as I fan would I complain about that? The status quo has been, TV builds to pay-per-view, now and then you'll get something great on TV. But now with ratings plummeting, You kind of go back to that, they're trying to do things to grab your attention, and not in the way they did it last year. Because last year it felt like every two weeks something new, just thrown at the wall trying to grab your attention, whether it made sense or not, whether they thought it through or not. Uh, I'm looking at you, wildcard rule. (laughs) That is just, things were being thrown about with no rhyme or reason. Whilst this show didn't scream like that. This show screamed like, no, this seriously, this is not kind of uh, struggling a bit. This is all time low. This is not. There's a new season of sports. We need to do something. We need to shift to a different kind of gear. This is no all-time record lows against nothing, <laughs> which is the other fear. I think somebody just on one of the uh, laws of pain. Oh, sorry, on the wrestling headlines. I'm still getting used to that. On the uh, wrestling headlines articles about this. Someone just made the point of NFL's not back yet, and normally the numbers you're getting about net. Now they're impacted by the NFL numbers. So what are those numbers going to be when it does return? And I can't, because of the uh, lockdown and everything and the time warp that's happened this past like half a year, I'm trying to remember when things are. But if I'm right, the NFL was it meant to get underway again? No, because it, it I can't remember what happened with the Super Bowl. God, the Super Bowl feels like it was years ago. <laughs> I don't remember anything. Uh, and if someone hit me up, what was that meant to be? Point being. There are things that normally detract from the numbers which haven't happened yet, and we're hitting record lows without that competition, and that's not good. Of course, the bigger caveat is all of TV ratings are declining, and Raw's numbers in measurement to that are really good. They're in terms of like the steadiness of what the new kind of average of what TV shows are drawing in with with original, with original content at this point. The numbers are perf- like they're fine. They're not going to get cut from USA. It has to fall much further, not just fall further, but much further to, for that consideration. That, I guess an example would be TNT with AW, where they were putting out what was it, 500,000, and the closest they've got was 650 or something like that. Where TNT were, that is what we're expecting, and then most weeks are in the 700,000, so. <laughs> and that's TNT's expectation of a brand new promotion without anything. So with WWE, with, I don't know what Foxes. Thing is where they're putting out that thing of three million and the people who are regularly watching it every weekend it's not in doing not it's not doing that <laughs> but with with more like what, well, I would say there's no need if you're a fan thing or oh no lower numbers there's no need to worry, they're not going anywhere but in terms of like measuring the interest, it is not good, it's not a good sign, and maybe there's just a lot of people who have checked out and don't particularly like this version of wrestling. And we'll tune in again potentially when audiences are back. And for now, they're just tuned out during this era. And we'll come back once it's live shows in the big arena again. Because looking at the numbers, the two numbers, like the two numbers on the Wednesday night viewings, are now no longer that much lower than Monday Night Raw, and like, and Final X SmackDown as well. Like the three days of wrestling are getting pretty similar overall numbers of one and a half million, and. The fact that all three days are hitting that is kind of like, yeah, well, maybe there's like a hardcore audience there and that hardcore audience will tune in every single week. But your more casual audience, yeah, they currently they've gone. They're not even there to attract, which is maybe like a worrying thing for WWE. But really, for me, it's not really you can't really measure it until like COVID's over. It's it's such a weird time. It's such an unprecedented time, especially for a company like WWE. It's just kind of like where it, their bread and butter is put in on these shows, and uh, be, it, be it worldwide as well with the amount of money they made on tours. I think it was like, something like the overseas tours. Some of them were the bulk of their revenue. Like it's that important to them. It's yeah. At least it was before Fox. I keep forgetting about Fox. Point being. I've drifted quite far from it. My point being was with the heavier focus on delivering top TV matches to try and bump up that number. As a fan, I don't really care about why they're making the product good. <laughs> if the product's good, then surely, yeah, that's me happy. If 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 they if they're like, oh crap, we really generally do have to put effort into making the product like genuinely good. Good now, as in like actual care and detail. We can't we can't leave it to chance anymore. We can't leave it to the brand, that makes sense, like the WWE brand. Like That's that no longer the draw, because look at the plummeting numbers. So they have to actually put in the content, or the effort into building the content. And what, I can't look at that and go, oh, they're only doing it to do this. It's like, yeah, but the product's now good. And as a fan, that means, I wi- that means I win. It's like, oh no, they're putting a heavier focus on delivering top matches on television. Oh no! <laughs> on a more regular basis, I get to watch high quality content. Oh, what a shame! <laughs> what a shame! I Think I said that with the NXT, uh, AEW wars, like when it was uh, when it first started happening, and I was like, oh, I was like, oh, it's only oh, and they're only on this slot to be uh, to be bad, and like, oh, and the and each show's only doing this to uh, beat them this week because of that. It's like, yeah. That means as a fan, I'm getting double the amount of great wrestling content. So I win. <laughs> I'm the winner here. I'm the guy, I'm one of the guys who's going to watch everything. And that even like wrestlers themselves see them now and then tweeting out, going, you do realise if you're like, re- almost religiously loyal to only one of the shows, then you're missing out on the other one because all of the wrestling is great. <laughs> so yeah, uh, And I'm saying that as a number one New Japan guy. So, yeah, it's all great. It's all awesome. So that said, the for this week the numbers came out before it went live. Conveniently, uh, there were low numbers once again. Uh, 1.6 million in the ratings, which is slightly up from last week's all-time low. Uh, according to Dave Meltzer, this week's Raw drew the lowest rating in the demo, which is 18 to oh, it's 40 something. Again, not a demo guy. Don't pay close enough attention. Uh, but you know, apparently, the number is not much higher. I think they got uh, it was 0. 0.4 something in the demo, which was like, that was their all time low in the much heralded demographic. <laughs> but it's not much, it's not normally much higher than that. But this was still a record low where it's like, oh yeah, the numbers normally run that. It's all right. Bigger picture. That's not good in the first place. <laughs> if you if the demographic, if your kind of attraction rates are that low anyway, then it's like, that's not really something to tout but it's also like an important point that yeah if they are at this point at this level like kind of already then it's not that big a drop but it is a kind of a marking point as well that they are not attracting their the much older demographic long term does that mean <laughs> again not as a not TV person I can't really say but anyway this so really like off TV Modern Night Raw had a lot going on this week from the uh, trying to bounce back from all-time low ratings, uh, we can't call it all-time low. It is the record worst. So it's not on the list of these, the top ten worst ratings. I know it is the worst rating from last week, and this week was slightly better. Um, get maybe post pay-per-view, maybe the iPhone nice stuff worked. A lot of press uh, picked that up, and especially with the clickbaity. I look how. It's weird because WWE kicked off the show with this, which I'll I'll get to next. So I'll go through the show in order after I talk about this bit, but they kicked off with eye for an eye and uh, I was a bit of confusion, but then I was remembering there were a lot of articles across the internet of look at this and maybe for going off the like most talked about part of the show when you kick off Monday Night Raw recapping that the issue is it wasn't being talked about in a positive manner so it's if it is that thing of um, there's nothing there's no such thing as bad press, but the press about the eye thing was bad, and if that's the thing you're Trying to pass off as serious as well. <laughs> Whilst all over the internet. It was just continuously taking the piss off. Because of how bad it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah not. Not great. Oh. So yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'll get to the show itself now. But there are like lots of out- outside things going on. We'll see you next. With uh, Friday Night Smackdown. And Raw next week of. How the kind of chaotic rewriting impacted those two shows as well, like how much was rewritten and to kind of what level of, of like show pacing, I guess as well. Because like, pacing for me was a slight issue this week. Because again, before going in, giving him a rating first to mix it up <laughs> it is more Night Raw for me. Three out of five. It's one of those where not a lot happened, but I still relatively enjoyed it. It didn't. It. it, it Set It was more continuing to set up, which is what Extreme Rules was as well. So it fit with the pay-per-view in terms of the feelings I had coming out of the pay-per-view raw carried on that same feeling. So it's good that that wasn't jarring, unlike their uh, production camera work. (laughs) Seriously, it's totally unnecessary with the amount of... Anyway, so I'm going to go through the show. (laughs) i realised I could go on, on another... Complete tangent rant about camera work, but nobody cares, you want me to go to the show. Uh, so we kicked off with an eye for an eye recap, as I said, uh, with the epic music and the WWE editing, just to gloss it all over, make it look and uh, feel like it's genuinely serious and awful thing. But of course, if you've seen anything about it, you know that they're editing out the one shot they didn't show. Like really, this, what, this recap, yes, they edited out the one shot which showed... How blatantly fake the eye was, because again, why? Why did he do it like this? But the this the thing that this exemplified was doing that match cinematically was the way to go, or at least doing that shot cinematically. And apparently, there's again rumors coming out that they had shot a they shot a cinematic-y type thing, which he would have cut to when the eye for the eye bit happened. And apparently, there was CGI involved, and word is Vince McMahon abs- upon watching it. Absolutely hated it. <laughs> so no bad done, we'll just do this there. <laughs> we'll just do we'll just do it like in the arena and you just put the you do you hold this hold this ball on your face here, mate. Off you go. Like, oh I just put this ball on your face. <laughs> it was it ended up becoming a laughing stock. Uh, but but again, this video package was showing yeah, this match should've been cinematic. And it's that thing of like I was comparing it to the evil dead with the eye on a string, but it's so it's one of those things where it really... They didn't have the means to do what they had promised what was going to happen. And they tried to do it anyway. And therefore it comes off like really cheesily and really crap. And they're still playing it off as serious. Not happening. So anyway, we kick off the show with Seth Rollins coming out. So the recap and I for Night and immediately go into the promo related to that. Uh, Seth Rollins says what happened last night. The image of Rey Mysterio holding his bloody eye will stay with him for the rest of his life as the crowd totally organically chanted shame in one of the least organic... in terms of like criticisms of the faux crowd as I've been calling them most of the people there uh, it, they feel like they've you've had a button pressed and they might as well just be keyboard crowd <laughs> because they just don't... they don't feel like a crowd at all um, Well, so anyway, Seth Rollins says it was Mysterio who asked for this match, though. Actions have consequences. We cannot dwell on the past. And now Rey Mysterio is out of sight. There's our first IPun of the night. (laughs) Uh, Alistair Black's music hit. uh, He says how dare Rollins deflect the blame onto others. Uh, He's now here to rectify the wrongs. Uh, Murphy charges at him, but just gets destroyed all over ringside. Black eventually jumps into the ring. And when we return from break, the action has begun. And again, Seth Rollins promo, he delivered it really well. And I like the kind of twists and turns he took in this promo. Also the same on Raw Talk, where it was just bringing up the story of, like, this is who you made me. Now, do you remember, like, Seth of the last year? Like, the burn it down? Like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you turned me into the man I am today and you still hate me? Like, you don't have any... You don't know. You don't. You don't think you've done anything wrong, or it's turning me to the man I am today. You are responsible for everything that is happening now. Like, oh yes, I love that little quack character tweak as well. It's, it's it's really really good. Of course, the main issue is I can't take anything seriously because of how seriously they are taking the I thing, which was so hilariously funny. <laughs> just, again, I laughed. I'm assuming a lot of people laughed when they saw their Mysterio holding the ball to his face, but. <laughs> it's uh yeah well, that's the only issue seth Rollins delivered a good promo and he delivered it in a generally well done serious manner like he had seen something horrific but type of thing but it wasn't his fault was the route he was taking however the thing he's taking seriously was so silly that i now don't take him seriously <laughs> it's like there's no way i can take the eye talk seriously therefore i don't take the characters seriously or, or i don't take the story seriously so yeah like bad booking has consequences and this is that, I don't take Seth Bonin seriously, like he's great, that'll pass but we're now in the consequences of the bad writing for the good wrestler, and it'll take me time to get back into his character because this has taken me out, unfortunately again, he's really talented it won't take long It's <laughs> just, just temporarily, like this week wasn't into him Really, he did good stuff. I enjoyed his segment, but I was really taken out because of Extreme Rules. So, yeah. Uh, The match itself was a... Oh, that kicked us off straight into Seth Rollins versus Aleister Black. A decent opener. Again, for me, personally, lost a lot of the investment in it uh, because of me having to buy the Rey Mysterio rivalry, which, again, all investment at the moment, completely taken out. Uh, it was a very brawly affair at the start, of the match not really swinging favourably for either until Black and wisely forearmed the ring post. Uh, allowing Rollins to capitalise and control the majority of the match, uh, Black having to both fight back in and fight off Murphy. Right, managing to do exactly that before our second ad break. Uh, he was going crazy landing Black masses left and right, and Murphy saving Rollins by jumping in and eating one himself. Uh, the win really wasn't in Seth Rollins' grasp. Murphy, the changing factor, saving the Messiah. Giving Rollins the room to counter and hit the curb stump for the win. Uh, Rollins wins the match and afterwards we go into a beatdown. Murphy and Rollins, uh, they were up the ramp and they doubled back, beat the man up. Uh, attacking his right arm, which if I, I might have done a bit of that in the match as well, but here they were relentless. Uh, Slamming it on every surface they could find, as Seth was shouting at Black, like, "When is enough enough? You think I want to do this?" And it's weird. They were setting it up. Who's gonna come save you? Huh? Who's gonna come save you? Because Seth Rollins was—he was the only guy there. Like, no one's coming to save you, Arthur Black. Which, again, I was there, sitting here, thinking, "Oh, so now, like, someone like Kevin Owens is gonna come out, who we've seen be there, one of these little groups." kind of togetherness of like Rey Rey Mysterio, uh, Dominic as well, uh, Alistair Black, Humberto Carrillo, uh, Kevin Owens added to it, like there's a whole group of people who've been like coming out to save each other against Seth Rollins. So when Seth Rollins is shouting, you've got nobody, this is where for me immediately like, ding, rewrites, this is maybe the first part, the first evidence of it where oversight, you've done a really good segment and this in theory, on paper, works as long as you completely forget the past couple of months of build. <laughs> if you completely ignore the last few weeks of television where Alistair Black does have people who have constantly run out and he's run out to save them. But this week, the whole point is, no, you don't have anybody. A little bit jarring <laughs> with the past few weeks. But again, ding, rewrites. When I say there can be oversights, this for me was like the maybe the biggest one of the night you other the ones maybe a bit small or understandable. This was the first one where it's kind of like you comb through that, or you get your continuity person to go through it. They'll immediately pick that up with zero effort. The internet people picked it up. I got that feeling watching the thing, it's, uh again as a nerdy viewer, but still, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a oversight. That said, the message of the segment still hit. It didn't really that not happening didn't completely ruin it for me. Uh, like, and the the ending point was Murphy who was keeping the arm trapped under the announce desk raw logo board, as Seth curb stomps Murphy's arm. And the commentators are immediately talking about how Seth Rollins is taking out superstars. So I guess, see you in a bit, Alistair. So yeah, as I said, it was a fun opener. Seth Rollins and uh, Alistair Black, uh, their offense mixes together really well. and uh, Especially as they're both very... Kick offense uh, They've got a lot of kicking off ends. As Seth Rollins, have, of course, got the higher, fly, high flying stuff as well. And Murphy jumping in. It was an exciting opener. If just like, yeah, there was a, that, just that missing bit where it didn't ruin it for me, but I was kind of taken out where Seth Rollins is like, you, you've got not got anybody to come out for you. And I was like, well, the past weeks have informed me that he's got loads of friends. <laughs> so why aren't they there anymore? So, oh, yeah. this is just a minor little thing. Again, one comb through. If you weren't rewriting the entire show one Comfy would have caught that. So, I don't take that as they don't want you to remember it. It's more of, they rewrote the show way too late in the day and something fell through the cracks and this was that thing. That's that's what it came across as like to me as well, anyway. Yeah, after that we went backstage and MVP, uh, we got MVP crowning himself as US Champion Recap before we went there and he and Lashley were with Ron Simmons. Not the first time we'll see him there tonight but... Yep, he's there with his damn shirt. Uh, Who's talking to them? Uh, Sorry, sorry, rephrase that. He is talking to them (laughs) about there being a better way. And MVP uh, calls over a flying pan equipped R. Truth uh, says it would be nice if the 24 7 champion came to the ring with them. Truth straight up refuses. And then Bobby Lashley credits him like, no, 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 no. He meant the new 24 7 champion. Shelton Benjamin kicks stage left, a one, two, three, and we got ourselves a new champion. Uh, MVP's Amigos grows one more. I think Oh, they were the something of hurt or the hurt something. Oh, the Hurt Business, that was it. Hurt Businesses and they're, they're all executives. <laughs> the MVP, the CEO of the Hurt Business. Oh, Bobby Lashley was the CEO of the Hurt Business. That was it. <laughs> so that's their little, little group is growing. And apparently there was a report that came out that Farouk was there because there was talk of him being involved in a Nation of Domination style group. Where me personally, I'd have MVP be the leader. You don't need Farouk there. Like he w- he was there for not just the I guess the MVP team, but he's also talking to the Viking Raiders later in the show. So that kind of threw a bit of water water into the works. That's not right. A bit of dirt into the works <laughs> in terms of like that rumor, but. Personally, I wouldn't do that. You don't. All because there was this thing that worked in the past doesn't mean you have to repeat it now. Especially as there's been such a such a societal shift since then. I don't know what you think. I don't, I'm not sure what the plan is. As in the like, one of the main things going back is that group was designed to get you to boo. That's not going to happen nowadays. You cannot do that material and expect to get booed. And if that is your point then you are incredibly out of touch. Like just no. <laughs> just you cannot do that act and as a bad guy hat as a bad guy act. Just you just can't. So I don't know personally like in terms of a new nation domination, like is there only one act black people can do? Like, come on. No. <laughs> and personally I'm really enjoying MVP's group and him. And him like, bringing all these people. And for me, like my favourite thing about the MVP's kind of portrayal is when he's trying to recruit people, like with the Apollo Crews thing, is even after he said he refused, like MVP was still putting him over, saying, like, no, there was a reason I tried to recruit him. He is really talented. I would still want him in my group, but he has said no, so I'm going to make him pay. It's like, yes, I really, really, I, I like that. <laughs> that is good, like... Con- this the consistency of he said no now he's now he's nothing to me it was always crap like no MVP still holds him in high regard it's just that he has wronged him so he's going to he's going to right that wrong well at least get Bobby Lashley to uh, anyway so after the break the three walked down to the ring our three new best friends uh, and for an MVP promo who bragged about Bobby Lashley beating Apollo Crews so bad that he didn't show up to their match last night. Uh, Word being that Apollo Cruz tested positive for coronavirus, which is why he's not there. And you seen seeing that suspiciously across the show. A Billy Kay as well, where they're like, oh, they're just off doing things. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, he's got an injury. He was beaten up so badly. He can't turn up anymore. Uh, and that's why you're getting hype matches not happening. <laughs> it's like, mm. like, we're very aware. Of the number of people that have contracted this virus now... Because of just not taking it seriously... And like just as a personal thing as well... Uh, and the, they're trying to now project that they are taking it seriously... And they're putting measures in place... And I'm just sitting there like... But you did the poison mist... And you had another wrestler spit on another wrestler... You're not taking this seriously... <laughs> End of... <laughs> you do those two spots... Like wrestling like as a whole... Isn't essential... And, y- yes, I cover it, and I wouldn't have any content to cover if it wasn't airing. But it's not essential. Shouldn't be happening. And... with, And especially when they're doing things like the Poison Mist, especially shouldn't be happening. <laughs> and the... Especially when you have so many positive cases. This is... Uh, yeah. Anyway. So... Uh, it's, it's, calm yourself down him. <laughs> so, uh, MVP Talks Trash... He calls uh, Ricochet and Cedric "dumber and dumber," uh, who come back and regurgitate meh comebacks. Yeah, I mean, MVP's "dumber and dumber" line wasn't great, but yeah, the the, the words written for Ricochet and Cedric—oh boy, they were generic and can't remember a single one of them. As soon as they were saying them, were like, "Oh, these are this is you're just repeating a script." Why does everybody have to be scripted the same way? <laughs> that is no—I think I said before—you can swap. A case in point for me is, in terms of how well written a promo is, is could you swap out one of the characters with anybody else and how much would change? If you took out Ricochet and you put in... uh, If you put in... Who's this random bloke I could put in? Uh, If he was still there, let's say EC3. (laughs) <laughs> he took yeah he took one out he put took out Ricochet put EC three had him say the same lines does anything feel different? And For me the answer is no like the promo is identical to a T with no kind of orig- like original to the character kind of feeling to it at all and that's the same for Cedric's lines as well they were just generic comeback stuff and it didn't it didn't feel great like nothing about that felt like the characters it felt like they were regurgitating a script and for me I'm just like well I'm going to use this to catch up on my notes. Just because there's no substance to this, <laughs> it's a waste of time in a way to even have them do it. Just go to the match. Like, why do you have to present everybody in the same way? Surely different types of talents deserve different kinds of presentation. Yeah. It's, it's WWE like peeve that I've had for a while. Why does everything have to be homogenised when you have such a variety of talent? Yeah. Anyway, MVP talks trash about them not having a third friend, ah, uh, but Richard corrects him. They do have a friend. And it's Mustafa Ali, finally, the man returning. uh, It took bloody long enough. uh, And he's got his first name back. Uh, Good on you, lad. Uh, The three, obviously I thought like, why are you getting rid of the first name? I made assumptions as to why they might want to get rid of the first name. I'm just like, no, don't do that. You're misreading the room completely. (laughs) Uh, The three charge the ring and jump at the three in-ring baddies. And we've got ourselves our six-man tag. Starts after the break. Uh, so the big six-man tag MVP Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin versus Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, and Mustafa Ali. A relatively fun mid-card tag. Not really much to say. Not really much more to say. Uh, continuing the establishing of MVP's group, whilst Ricochet, Alexander, and Ali fight them off in athletically impressive fashion. A uh, a solid lot of talent in that ring right there. Like, these interactions between them all look like they're set to be fun as hell. And we're going to get it for a while. (laughs) Like, talking... Sorry, taking all three of our faces to uh, down Bobby Lashley and swing the match in their favour. The story of uh, MVP being beatable if you get him one-on-one plays out once again. uh, With just he and Mustafa Ali, the former cop, dodges the corner boot, takes him down and flies off the top with the 450 for the win. Yeah, fun six-man tag continue to establish Bobby Lashley as the big force that needs to be countered and potentially showing that they might need a fourth member and I'm all happy for MVP's uh, kind of group to slowly come together uh, forming a bigger and bigger picture so even if it is Beatdown Clan but again <laughs> and later so they're at different stages of their careers uh, yeah. if you don't remember, Beatdown Clan in TNA I, members I remember like that first first like uh, kind of form of them MVP, Bobby Lashley, Kenny King, and Samoa Joe. I remember Loki being in there at one point, but they're the first four that I definitely remember. Uh, I thought that group was awesome because, uh, especially like, especially if you've got like Samoa Joe with there as well, <laughs> just like there's so many people who are really good at portraying themselves as that badass character that and they come out and they deliver the beatdown to everybody there, just beat them up. It's like yeah, this has got a, a different feeling dynamic. But, yeah, in essence, MVP Bobby Lashley teaming up again and forming a stable. It worked in TNA really well. Uh, I, I was personally a fan of that stable. They just, obviously, if Samoa Joe left before it went anywhere, and he wouldn't have been a big part player, which is mental to think about. It's crazy how how TNA mishandled, like, one of their just stars. <laughs> <Like, laughs> this is completely mishandled. Such an incredible talent. He was incredibly over, and they managed to still keep him over regardless of, Losing him this nest. Anyway, building of a stable, things being established, things continuing to be a thing, as I said with MVP, and obviously Mustafa Ali coming back being the complete changing force, because Vicky Shea and Alexander have had no luck, but Ali, Mustafa Ali arrives, and suddenly yeah, they've got it there. And Mustafa Ali as well, if you've not watched this thing, on, is a moment on War, oh, I war Talk, I was going to say, on War Talk, um, highly recommend seeking it out, be it just like clips on YouTube, or Twitter, or whatever, like Yes. Uh, t- entirely worth watching then. Yes, Though, just thought I'd point that out before I move on to Randy Orton. Randy Orton was backstage. At same location as last week's the backstage video. Uh, he talks about the moments that make you as a person. For him, you think of certain things like joining Evolution or his match with Mick Foley at Backlash 2004. Uh, but that's not what he's thinking of. His mind is on when he had the opportunity to swing a steel chair right into Edge's skull. Uh, he enjoyed that feeling. He did it again to the Canadian's best friend Christian when he punted him. And will enjoy the hell out of doing the same to the big show. Decent promo. Uh, f- uh, first feeling of, oh this is a, l- a little bit long, but yeah. Uh, after that uh, we saw Ron Simmons who was talking to the Viking Raiders. He has no loyalty and he's chatting to everyone. What is he up to? <laughs> uh, then we got a big show VTR Play Play. Uh, followed by... An interview between Samoa Joe and Christian. The Big Show video is like two, three minutes. Then we went to another like four, five minute interview between Samoa Joe and Christian about Orton's attack on him and the unsanctioned match that was taking place later in the night. Like a big chunk of time here dedicated to the main event, uh, from the autumn promo to the Big Show hype video to this. Like it was just a big chunk of time, and I'm, this is where for me in the show I just felt like hmm, killing time. It was just the such a big portion, and it was like one thing after the other, all on this one thing, just all clumped into the middle of the show. So maybe just all all pre recorded, and it was meant to be filtered through. But then when you rewrite the show, I've like, got all this bulk of stuff that doesn't really fit anywhere, and it's hyping the main events. It can't go on too late. Let's just dump it here. Um, again, I kind of zoned out a little bit, like. Uh, Big Show cuts the promo later. I zoned out completely for that one. At least this one held my attention for a little bit. It was just... The fact that it was... Uh, Smojo and Christian's interview was nothing. Like, absolutely no need to watch it. Didn't really add anything that had already been added. Like, there weren't other things that had been there or been said. This would have added quite a bit. Or maybe it happened last week as well. But for it to happen here on the show, after, after already sitting through the Randy Orton promo and the Big Show hype video, to then go to Christian... Being to batsmojo about the exact same topic, it was a little bit much. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, a backstage interview. Uh, Bianca Belair was interrupted by Peyton Royce before she could really say anything. Uh, whose chit-chatting is also interrupted by Ruby Riot and just as just watch it go, Bianca's awesome. <laughs> like her piss takes always get a laugh out of me, and Peyton's the same. So for me, this was a nice, fun little segment. I know there are people who find uh, Peyton annoying. For me, no. The Iconics always make me laugh. <laughs> like, and uh, the lone Iconic this week uh, was uh, still digging at Ruby Riot via Liv Morgan, uh, which led to our next singles match of the night. Bianca is just like, no, I-, I like the thing you two've got going on. Why don't you, you know, you settle that in the ring. I'll have a night off. <laughs> so that took us straight to the match, well, after the ad break. Peyton Royce versus Ruby Riot once again, another... Decent, quick outing from these two, and potentially, maybe we're meant for something else, but Billy Kay's not there because she's busy. Just She's just busy. It's nothing related to anything, she's just busy. And yeah, there's another decent outing. Like This this time, after the back and forth, Ruby was able to land the riot Kick for the win. Uh, the Aussie not able to avoid it this week. Uh, without Kay, she simply didn't have the distraction in her pocket, which has been the swinging factor in the past. Last week it was it was that was what gave the Iconics their win every time. Ruby Riot could topple one of them, but she couldn't topple them both. With Bianca Belair there, Bianca Belair is so awesome she just destroyed them. You know, Ruby Riot there next to her, they never stood a chance. But again here, Peyton Voice by herself, we got proof that when it's just one of them, Ruby Riot really can destroy them. And the continuing to use Liv Morgan of Ah, oh, you don't have a friend. She got Bianca and Bianca's like really good <laughs> so yeah, I'd worry Iconics if I were you anyway I'm enjoying this little feud like it's a for the where, where it is in the show every week on raw for me it's like yeah you don't need to like aim for incredible heights anymore anything higher than you're currently going this is I mean, it's a nice little thing that never outstakes It's welcome it means all of the matches like they maximize like this small amount of time that they've got each and every week I'm enjoying it every time Again, it's not the thing I've got the most investment in, but I am enjoying it. I'm not like, oh, I'm like, oh yeah, I've enjoyed these matches. <laughs> it's when the next one happens, like yeah, time to enjoy another one. Yeah, after that, we got a backstage Caruso interview with Angel and Jade and Zelina. Uh, she asks about the dissension, and Zelina shuts it down and touts their successors. Uh, before before Gaza can relate wrestling to sex again, uh, the street profits jump them, and we cut to break with the heels down. So a little uh, tweak on the normal formula. Uh, but after the break, we got Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza with Selena Vega. The titles were not on the line. so it was just a two facing each other. Uh, it was a fun, fast, at least I don't think they were. Uh, it was a fun, fast-paced tag uh, with the heels jumping the champs right off the back, making them pay for what happened before the break. Uh, Montez Ford had some awesome moments of fire. Uh, the cheeky tricks of Andrade and Garza was needed to swing him down and uh, dominate the match. Uh, A match which uh, was descending into an awesome back and forth as soon as Dawkins was tagged back in, uh, the offence becoming more equal in an awesome uh, two and throw uh, The big man eventually got Andrade down on the outside, Ford was tagged back in and the two lighter men went at it for the win. Uh, eventually, Ford won out a top turnbuckle brawl, and she, he flew high with his incredible flog splash for the win. Flog splash, uh, incredible flog splash for the win. This time with a mid-air twist that just made it look even more beautiful, uh, leaving Zelina Vega ringside in pure shock that her lads had lost. So yeah, a fun match, again, but the tag division feels really shallow. It's it's a weird one. I've enjoyed the Street Profit, uh, Chief Profits versus Viking Raiders. Those matches were, those matches were good because both teams are really good. And, uh, same with Andrade and Angel Gaza versus the Viking Raiders. Both teams talented. Matches equals good. And now we're getting Street Profits versus uh, Gaza and Andrade. Those matches also good. But that's about it. You know, when I'm trying to think, think in my head, who else is there? It's people who I guess are in factions and are therefore in tag matches. There aren't any more tag teams. There is nobody for the Street Profits to beat. As in, that's what I mean by, I've enjoyed the matches, but now we have seen every combination of the dynamic. And there is no more tag division. So do you just repeat? <laughs> do you do a triple threat? And like, What do you do next? Because we've seen every combination. So what is there now? What What is there? <laughs> so again, in terms of this show, it fit this show perfectly fine. As I said, like three out of five. Pretty harmless, but you've now defeated the challengers. And again, on we got a backstage uh, bit where Zelina was kind of trying to hype up her men to prove they're on the same page, or get them to prove to her that they're on the same page. And it was just like... But there wasn't any dissension in the match. And Zelina was like, could you just stop and prove to me that you really are on... That you, you, there are no issues. Just prove to me once and for all. And I was just like... But the match had no dissension. They just straight up lost. They weren't necessarily... Falling out and that caused an issue with the match. It wasn't dissension; they just lost. They just straight up lost. <laughs> so it's it's a weird one. It was like the backstage segment and the story they were telling over commentary as well was not the story we saw. So again, that could that can happen with rewrites. It's the type of thing that happens, and maybe for all we knows because they are deciding to go with the tension stuff once again and build to Andrade versus Garza in some manner, in some way. Who knows? Anyway, uh, after the break, we got Banks and Bailey with all the belts. Lots of bees there. Uh, Bailey and Sasha dig at Asuka for not earning her championship uh, compared to our new champion. Uh, Bailey, just such a good person, she took up the responsibility of referee because she's our role model. And she made sure to tell us two or three more times that <laughs> she's like, I am your role model. <laughs> that is why I did it. I, it's a heavy burden to bear. I um, uh, will just say Bags and Bailey still absolute favourite acts in WWE right now so just like more of them on every show <laughs> uh, Asuka's music hits uh, as uh, the heels were dancing in the ring in celebration uh, she shouts into the mic that Sasha was not ready for Asuka uh, the boss her, challenges her to come down if she wants her title then but Stephanie McMahon appears on the TitanTron or screen. Uh, She announces that next week the Raw Women's Championship will be on the line, uh, but you can only lose by pinfall, DQ, countout or interference which falls into DQ from anyone. (laughs) Like no cheekiness next week. It's one of those where, yes, I know, interference is a DQ, so there's absolutely no point in saying it, but it's because they're obviously hammering home the fact that it was interference just all over the place that the match had extreme rules. And this was the, like one of the, I think, couple occasions where they called it ho- the horror show, extreme rules, where it's one of those where, yeah, the kind of the whole title of the thing, which you would put into the Google SEO, which I didn't do. I just did extreme rules. <laughs> I don't think I, for any of these posts, I've done the full thing, uh, but, but if you're typing it into there, that's what it's called. You say the horror show at extreme rules, but obviously like I think Dolph Ziggler did it as well when you're then saying the... or we're trying to remember what it's called, that it doesn't flow well. <laughs> it's really not all well-flowing thing. Like if, you, like, if I'd written that into my notes, I'd probably alter it as I'm saying it live because it doesn't feel right. Uh, and we have seen multiple people, including Stephanie McMahon, <laughs> struggle to say the proper name, therefore the name itself sounds like they're calling it Stream Rules the Horror Show. As in, it was bad, wasn't it? But anyway, uh, see so to stop... The, the whole point is this is setting up that next week on Raw, when we get the Raw Women's Championship match, it will be one-on-one with no excuses. And there'll be absolutely no chance for Sasha to win via uh, the cheeky interferences, which were was the same over the SmackDown uh, Women's match. And of course, even though... Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we get Bailey carrie saying either Friday or next Monday, and maybe for the SmackDown Women's Championship, and that is our Carrie saying goodbye. again... The word is still there that this was the last set of tapings for Carrie Saint, and she is now going back to Japan to be with her husband. And again, word as well that was she'll then do a retirement tour before then settling down properly. And it's a shame. Like as it's, it's one of these where you're watching it now and going, if they'd done this when she was on the main roster. Like, it's too late now. <laughs> this kind of That like She's such an awesome... She's slotted in perfectly into the into a now four group of wrestlers that I really enjoy watching every single week. It's like, oh, it's a shame she's going then. Because she's been part of my favourite thing in WWE. And she's just a, such a small part of it, which felt like a really... It was a evolution of it that made sense. It's just a shame she's going, like, so quickly. It's like, oh. Anyway... Uh, so after the break, we got Bailey versus Kairi Sane, who were immediately thrown into the action for what was, surprise, surprise, another really great match between the, the four women in this feud. Like, it's still so great seeing Kairi Sane in that babyface role on the main roster. Like, we're finally getting to see all of her awesome offense. Uh, partway through, we cut to Baszler watching a at a 25 degree angle. Just want to bring this up. And uh, Charlie walked up to her and asked if she had a vested interest in the match. Uh, Shayna answered with, What? You thought I'd just sit in catering? Of course I have a vested interest in this match. Uh, then a crap line about being a shark. <laughs> but hey, the sentiment was there. <laughs> she's, she's, a, she's a shark and she's going to eat the food like sharks do. Or something like that. It's a crap line. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sane got a lot of offense in, in this match. She, like, she felt like a really big deal. Like forcing our Smackdown Champion to come up with something smart to escape each time. Uh, Like Kairi caught her with everything from the back fist to the spear to the insane elbow. Uh, The only thing saving our purple clad champion was the earlier work done on the arm. Like moves were hit but the pirate princess was never able to follow up with a cover. Uh, Eventually that took its toll and Bailey was back in, flying with her own elbow from the top for a near fall. But when she went for the belly to belly, Kyrie floated round and rolled the champion up for the three. Kyrie same beat Bailey. That roll round look was really smooth, really cool. i have seen the belly Bailey, belly Bailey countered quite like in a very similar way before, uh, but this time it was no. It was part of the swing where Bailey would normally throw them round, and it was in there where she instead flo- uh, floated and kind of rolled round and into the pin. It was, it was really cool. Uh, <laughs> that was really awesome to watch. Uh, the interactions between these four are still my favourite thing in WWE right now. And next week, we're definitely getting Asuka versus Sasha Banks with no interference. And this set us up for Kyrie Sane Bailey. Which, again, so sad if this is Kyrie Sane's last match. Because <laughs> it's just building up to her, like, just her slotting in perfectly. So, oh, it's such a shame. Yeah, after this, Drew McIntyre. I really enjoyed this (laughs) and it got me excited for next week. They are really packing next week's show and I really enjoy that because they, on this week's Raw, like you felt, if it is a new direction, where they're constantly hyping television and giving us big matches on TV and like, if that's what they're doing, then all for it. Because this week they are really hyping the main event. And if, like personally, in terms of less, less, you cut a few matches off the pay-per-view, then you do them on the following week's TV instead. That makes like all three shows infinitely more watchable. It means the pay per view is shorter, which in this like they've needed to be for a long time. And it, even though Extreme Rules the content may, was a bit questionable, the flow of the show was so much better. It worked so damn well, and it, the time did go by fast. Uh, and then Monday Night Raw, you've got a big match to put on in your main event, which you can hype through the show. Same with SmackDown with Jeff Hardy, Sheamus. You've suddenly got instead of these shows clogging up the pay-per-view, they're now adding to television. That like, is win-win. <laughs> like personally, this is a thing I would stick with, especially in these in-between the big shows type of thing. Like obviously WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Roy Rumble, a Guest Survivor series. Like that is a very, very different story. Just because they are the big ones, so you expect all the big matches to be safe for the show. But for something like Extreme Rules, for something like Backlash something like (laughs) Fastlane, Roadblock, those shows, no mercy, those shows, it makes sense of, instead of clogging up a really long pay-per-view with a, like, clogging up a B pay-per-view, which I don't particularly want to be spending much time in, like, instead of doing that, then cut a few matches and have them on TV the next week. And that makes the TV shows feel that much more significant because they've got bigger matches on them. Just (laughs) win-win. Stick with this. (laughs) Makes me doing this so much more easy. Um, because they were hyping a uh, big show around the autumn, it was a really big deal throughout the show. Anyway, and th- that's continued here. And we're getting big matches next week with both the men's and women's titles on the line. Uh, but here, Drew McIntyre came out. He applauded Dolph Ziggler's innovation for the stipulation at Extreme Rules uh, that even almost had him. But that's the story of Ziggler's career. Almost. Uh, the champ wants to move on to SummerSlam. But before he can, Ziggler's music hits. Drew doesn't care about his words, and flat out tells him to bugger off. <laughs> like just, in terms of what we are used to, where we are used to this happening, we're used to this, we've seen, seen this Ziggler program so often, where he'll come out and be like, okay, the feud's going to continue. He'll do a Ziggler thing about how he deserves it, and all of that, and then the big will be like, alright then. Drew, instead, <laughs> when Dolph said that, he's like, I beat you 24 hours ago, and you got to put all of the odds against me. You chose the stipulation. And you've still lost. No. <laughs> Why would I face you? And uh, I, I just liked how it progress as well. As Dolph Diggler was just like... He was, he was, he was in the zone. He's in the Ziggler zone. That we've seen quite a few times. Where it's just it like... I deserve this. To respect that I deserve. And McIntyre's like... Mate, I'm just feeling sorry for you right now. And he say, says he's going to save his former friend the embarrassment. And then just headbutts him and leaves. As Ziggler clawing his way back up off the mat. Demands that he deserves another match. Even offers to let Drew pick the stipulation. At this point, completely shifting from I deserve this to pretty, pretty, please, give me wrestling match, please. Just begging for it. And suddenly on those terms, the champion changes his mind and accepts. Uh, Ziggles then wants to know what the champion chooses. But the champion is like, I only just accepted 10 seconds ago. I don't know what I'm going to pick. (laughs) But uh, he then says that he's going to. Put Dolph Ziggler ex- through exactly what he put him through—that telling him the stipulation right before the bell rings. I have no idea what the stipulation could be. I enjoyed that being a factor for the Ziggler match. We essentially then got a heel stacks up the odds, and the hero has to fight through the match. And when we've seen this before, uh, for some reason the match that comes to my mind is Batista versus Chris Jericho from Cyber Sunday. <laughs> Don't ask me why. Can't even name the year. 2009, Chris Jericho was a heel. Where, after weeks of Chris Jericho being a dick to Batista, for some reason on this pay-per-view, Batista was able to exact his revenge on Jericho. I think the fans chose a stipulation that was really in his favour. Uh, but he then just beat up the bad guy. And it was <laughs> I remember uh, I was living at home, and my mum then ter- then just turned to me and was just like, well, he's not being very nice to that man. <laughs> just, yeah... It was, it, in that time, it was kind of like, oh, Patice is the bad guy, right? Because he's being an ass to that one. Was like, oh, no, no, no. This is weeks of the other guy. Get, and now he's getting what he deserved. But still, uh, maybe that's what my guitar will do. So that was the first example that came to my head. It was after weeks of putting up with crap. He's just like, now you're going to get exactly what you paid me for. C- actions have consequences. Or, Dolph Ziggler is like, you are not good enough to beat me. And puts on a stipulation which isn't too crazy, might be a bit of a letdown, but then it's Dolph Ziggler like, go on then, back up your words. And the whole point is, like, no, Drew McIntyre still beats him. So, yeah, I like this. Like, you know what? In terms of killing time between pay-per-views with, like, mini extra parts to the feud, like, yeah, I'm actually totally in for this. Like, I like the idea of Drew completely outwitting and destroying Ziggler next week. Just doing that one more time before we then shift gears to Summerslam. Got a bit of time to kill. Got about a month to the next pay-per-view. I need to start hitting up. <laughs> God, Summerslam's coming up quickly. <laughs> like, oh yes, I promised people I'd hit them up when it's Summerslam time. That time is now. That has come c- quick. <laughs> anyway, uh, during the main event, this match was confirmed for Raw next week. Uh, rather, Rather building up next week's card. To say it in a very British manner. Um, hey, as I said earlier, as I said at the start, whatever the reasons I'm getting a strong card out of, it's just like whatever the reasons we're getting that card for, like yay, I win. <laughs> the fans win. We get a good card. Why would I complain about that? Um, we then got back- Big Show's backstage promo. I can see why the backstage backstage promo. <laughs> uh, Randy is dangerous these days. It's pretty much what he says over five minutes. Uh, he's really building up the Viper they've been doing a really good job and putting in a lot of effort to elevate Orton as the most dangerous heel in WWE Uh, they kept saying a word but at 1am I forget the word but they said it a lot Randy Orton is dangerous so yeah again Big Show said. I've seen what Big Show said it took like 5 minutes for him to say that I can't tell you the words Big Show used because just in and out gone did not take in a single word (laughs) like that is yeah, for me, that's the sign of a promo that really didn't need to happen and went on way too long. Is he went on for five minutes. Don't remember anything. That's not a great sign. Um, it does of the to self. Like, if Edge is injured, injured, then I really don't know what comes next at SummerSlam for Orton. Uh, I personally wouldn't go with Drew Orton. It feels like, like, because you, you don't really want either man to lose at this point. You've done a really good job of building up Drew as the biggest face and Orton as the biggest heel. Summerslam feels like the time where, because you've been building it up, I'd use Summerslam to cement that as a fact, rather than blow it off. Of course, if it was meant to be Edge Orton, like, if Edge, like, Edge makes the most logical sense of you do the final match between Orton and Edge, like, for me that'd be the best course. But there's a chance that's not possible. Like, I, I do wonder what you go with if that is not possible. Ah, who knows. Anyway, finally we get to the main event, uh, the unsanctioned match between Randy Orton and Big Show, which was built up through the entire night. And it, it a little bit odd for me. Like, after all of the build, Orton was seemingly struggling until the interferences came into play. Like, before the commercial break, uh, and it took Andrade and Garza running down and holding the Big Show, uh, and then Viking Raiders fighting them off. And then suddenly, that is where... Austin had a bit of a handle in the match. And he still didn't until uh, Big Show took himself down. <laughs> it was kind of like, they built the entire show up. Like, this man is dangerous. He's the most dangerous man in WWE. And then it takes the other guy putting himself through a table for that person you've called dangerous to get a lick in. <laughs> it's one of those where, yes, once he got that one lick in, he was relentless and went after the Big Show. He went after his opponent with no remorse but still, that first portion, is that, that, that doesn't fit with what you were telling me earlier. It's a little bit jarring. And uh, after the break, after we'd had the interferences, we were back to our one 101? <laughs> back to our 101. one I still said it wrong. <laughs> a suspicious table had joined our squared circle friends. Uh, the rhythm of the large, powerful giant trying to pin down the smart, slithery heel was playing out. Uh, again, a tad odd to build Orton as such a dangerous predator only to then have the match play out with the Big Show being the architect of his own demise. A uh, corner splash where he just lifts himself up on the top rope into the splash Uh, completely missed Orton, who was table prone, who just slipped away, resulting in the giant crashing through the thing. And that was when Orton just beat the man up. Uh, An RKO wasn't enough to pin the big lad, but he just followed up with chair shot after chair shot. Uh, which led to an awesome top rope Jake DDT. Uh, Kudos to Big Show for taking that one. Uh, before another RKO and finally the pingfall victory, the Viper was merciless after Big Show put himself through a table. Um, after the match, the Dangerous Autumn was cemented. Uh, that fact was cemented with a punt to another legend who was downed. Uh, there's another one down. Another another legend is down. <laughs> i trying to think of a different word, but I can't and I'm ready for bed. Anyway, I would say that's... The the way they built to the match was, I thought, really, really good, and if you're having big matches on Raw every week, I wouldn't mind a similar thing. Just, again, you didn't need the entirety <laughs> of the building like one huge segment, which I completely tuned out of. Like, if I was watching live, I might have had an issue, but, again, being British, I can just zone out of those bits. I can do something. I can skip them entirely, but because I'm doing this, I'll... At least have them on. I won't. <laughs> I won't entirely skip past them. I might skip through them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not totally professional. Anyway, uh, yeah. Main event. A little bit jarring from the build, where they're building up Orton as such a dangerous person, and then the match itself. He has no hold in it until the guy takes himself out. Then Orton's relentless. It's like it didn't quite match how they were building him up. Again. The, the attacking afterwards, the way the match ended, that was that was fine. That was great. That that follow through. It's just the match itself. He did not feel dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, a three out of five raw. I enjoyed it. I had a fun time. I didn't struggle. I said I'd be noting when the fatigue point hit, and I would say technically the fatigue point for the show didn't hit, but my fatigue point for them constantly going on about the main event that did hit during I think it was I think it was as early as Big Show's VTR when his package was playing. I was like, okay. This is feel. this feels like time killing at this point. Then Christian came on after that I was like, oh God, <laughs> they're still going. So but I wouldn't say that was fatigue with Raw itself. By the end of it I was like, oh yeah. I don't remember feeling like, oh god, I just want the show to be over now. Like I never got that feeling. I did I did get the feeling of I've had enough with this Autumn awesome Big Show build, it's going on a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but for me that's kudos for like how well show a sh- how well paced a show is paced <laughs> when you have when you have that dynamic and even after the bit when writer came like, okay, ready for this bit to be done, but I don't get bored of the show itself. That's an improvement. And I personally even though this has been the point where Vor has hit its lowest viewers, for me that is a consequence of previous actions and I've enjoyed, especially the last three weeks of Raw that I have watched. I have not, have f- not felt that bad whilst watching them. Yes, I've hit fatigue points now and then. This week, I can honestly say, no fatigue point. But, uh, but still, wouldn't give it higher than a three out of five because <laughs> it wasn't that kind of show. It was continuing the setup that Extreme Rules was. Because Extreme Rules was a B setup pay per view, this felt like a show in the same vein, carrying on. And I was fine with that. It's just not a remarkable show. It's not a must watch. But it was a perfectly fine show to watch. So yeah. Average would be my thing. But I mean that in a positive manner. <laughs> I've got nothing. I'm Not every show. At the start. Not every show has to be an absolute banger. For me this was enjoyable. And I found it easy to watch. Anyway. Thank you for watching me. Or listening to me. Wherever you've tuned in to LP Radio this week. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday for the NXT review live at the same time not going live super early that was a huge <laughs> mistake uh i'm gonna wait till i can go at a more logical later time before going to australia again <laughs> i'm going in that time uh i cannot go that early again <laughs> that was a huge mistake i was not na- i was done i was knackered uh but i will be back on thursday at uh, midnight or 7 est to so then talk about nxt which is aired the week uh the week, the night previously. Uh, also, earlier than that, the uh, our, AEW, uh, our AEW Dynamite show, uh, Dynamite After Dark with Jamin and Jeff, where they go live immediately following AEW Dynamite. That will be, obviously, after Dynamite on Wednesday. Uh, Fridays, we've got Miss and Mystic with the WWF, the Legacy Series. And unabridged look back over the history of the now WWE with the journey of the WWF. Cannot uh, recommend this show enough. Tuesdays, Kingdom of Honor. They are covering New Japan for us right now. I think they've done Dominion, can't remember. Uh, And uh, I will be... I know uh, in terms of will there be a New Japan for Wrestling Aftershock this Saturday. The answer is there won't be an aftershock. I will be I'm planning. Again, this is a weekend, so things can happen. But I am planning to do a, a column on... Uh, what's it called? Sengoku Lord, is it? Sen, sen, I can't say it. I can't remember what the name of the thing is. But it's a New Japan show with uh, Evil vs. Hiramu, which is uh, this Saturday. I'll Instead of doing the uh, like aftershock for it, I'll be writing a column. It's been a while since I've done a post-New Japan column, but that's the plan for this Saturday. Oh, anyway, please check out the other shows for LEP Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at TheDamnImplacat. If you're watching the video version, you know that already. I, uh, you can follow uh, WrestlingHeadline.com slash Pain at Pain on Twitter as well. There's a Facebook page as well. There's uh, this setup all over the place. Go there for the wrestling news and stuff. I've got to remember to plug them every single week. And with that, I say... I swear I've got more to plug. I'm just tired and want to get to bed. <laughs> so that I say, uh, thank you for listening to this. I'll be back on Thursday. Uh, with that, I bid you adieu. Adios.